Hello friends, welcome to the Keep Singing Podcast, post-mortem edition, and we're going to be talking about... Fuck, you know what, I'm just, I just got back from World Fantasy and I'm super tired. I don't even remember what episode number this is. Five? Whatever. It's, it's called What Comes After, I think. I'm so fucking tired, you guys. Whatever. Okay, I have a lot to talk about. This is... I told you this was going to be big and this is big. So blah, 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 Patreon, whatever. I think I said I'm sunny. I am. Uh, before I get... <laughs> this is so disorganized, guys. I'm not going to apologize. Before I get into it, if you have not voted and you live in the United States and you are eligible to vote, fucking vote, or I swear to God, I will come and find you. Like, I will find out who you are and I will hunt you down and I will make you so sorry you didn't vote. You will already be sorry, but I'll make you sorrier, okay? I'm not kidding. Fucking vote. All right. Okay. No more bullshit. Let's get into it. So just to start with, I have to say, I I did not really have any intense feelings as I was watching this episode, which was kind of strange. I suspect that that is probably me more than anything else. Like, I think it was a really good episode. I just, I have been at World Fantasy Con for days and I've been on programming and I've been volunteering, which means I've been incredibly sleep deprived and I've been very tired. So I get home a couple of hours before the episode and I'm just too tired to can. Like I have no energy for emotion. It's just not gonna happen. So while I really liked the episode, I just did not have the feelings that I think I was supposed to have. If you hear some smacking in the background, that is my cat eating. I, and I know I should have because the scene where Matt, you know Michonne is screaming and Daryl just sort of is like cannot cope off to Mordor and that is that was just so feelings heavy but I was watching it just kind of like yep yeah this is all proceeding pretty much as I expected and it did like I don't want to puff myself up over this but I don't Whenever I have an idea about how things are going to proceed, I don't generally talk about it. And you can look at that as me being like, well, I want to be able to say after the fact that I knew how this was all going to go. Mostly it's just because frequently I'm wrong and I don't want to put a wrong idea out there and then more often than not have to be like, yeah, I was wrong about that. I'm wrong most of the time. However, this is pretty much exactly how I expected a Rick Live scenario to go like down to every individual beat. If if you asked me to pop in as a pinch hitter after what we've seen in this season so far and write a Rick Lives episode, this is the episode I probably would have written. Very, very close to. Also, as much as it pains me to say it, if you asked me to write a scenario wherein Maggie and Negan square off and Maggie decides not to kill him, that is exactly the scene I would have written. I'm not saying I would have loved it, but that's what I would have probably done. So I was watching this emotionally exhausted. And also just like, this is, yes, this is proceeding as I foresaw. And maybe that kind of took some of the punch out of it for me. I don't really know. But yes, there was, there was very little in this episode that surprised me, which is fine. Again, what happened was pretty much fine, but it was, eh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about the scenes with Rick. I mean, I, first I want to actually talk about Maggie and Negan, but I, I, I want to say this episode, I didn't read any spoilers before I went in. This episode was basically screaming from the get-go, hey guys, Rick's not going to die. Like it wasn't subtle about it. It was saying over and over again, 
you know, we're the ones who live, we don't die, wake up. And it was just, it was, it was very clearly cycling back around to the very beginning of the show. And what happens in the very beginning of the show is that Rick sustains a life-threatening injury and by all accounts should be dead and really ought to be dead. There's no way he survives that long in a coma without any people checking in on him and making sure he has water and shed. He absolutely shouldn't have lived, but he does. Against all odds, he survives. And this was cycling right back around to that and giving him what I talked about in the last episode, which is kind of a fresh start for his arc. This was the this was the end of this part of Rick's story and the beginning of a very new and I hope very different part of Rick's story. In that sense, it was it was just screaming over and over and over again, look, this is a circle around to the beginning, but it's not the end. This is just a, this is, well, it's like the title of the first episode of the season. This is a new beginning. What we saw last night was a new beginning. You can be irritated by that or not. And I'll talk about how some parts of that annoy me and some parts kind of don't. It's, I have very mixed feelings about how that went, but it was really unsubtle. And sometimes the show throws curveballs and it makes me think it's going in one direction and then it turns out not to, just for instance. And there will be a TD end to this where I will talk just about that because there's a lot to say. Um, there, everything about Beth's plot up until her death is screaming very much like last episode, like last night's episode with Rick, is screaming, this girl is going to come very close to death, but she's not going to die. Like everything about it is telegraphing that so fucking hard and so unsubtly. And two things can happen with something like that. It can turn out to be a giant fake out and she actually dies and haha, jokes on you. Or it can follow through what it appears to be doing and be the setup for a fake death as it was last night with Rick. So yeah, very, very unsubtle. And I will talk more about the individual Rick flashback hallucination scenes, which I loved a great deal and, and have a lot of feelings about. Let's talk about Maggie and Negan, though. If you know me, you know that I despise Negan. And it's it's I don't despise him in the way I think that the writers want me to despise him. Um, for the most part, I think in some respects, I don't know, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm very back and forth on this, and in fact, I'm more back and forth on it than I was. But bottom line, from his, pretty much from his introduction until now, I have not been a Negan fan. And a lot of that is because, and again, if you know me, you already know this already, but a lot of that is because I like, I like villains where you can look at them and you can see how they're the hero in their own stories in a way that is understandable and relatable. A sympathetic villain doesn't necessarily mean a villain who you go all oo over. It doesn't necessarily mean a villain who's got a good side to them or who's secretly deep down decent and they've just been through some really awful shit. Villains can be irredeemably evil, but still be sympathetic in some respect in that you can understand why they're in the positions that they're in and maybe part of you wants them to be better even though they're not and they never will be. I think that a lot of people feel like that about Kylo Ren, uh, for example. Uh, I don't particularly like Kylo Ren. I do not feel like about him like a lot of Star Wars fandom seems to feel. I don't really ship him with anybody. He's I, he's kind of awful. He's just awful. I, he's irredeemably awful. I really hope they're not working up to a redemption arc with him. That said, I do find him a sympathetic villain in a lot of respects. He's, his emotions are genuine. He's, his conflict is genuine. He's clearly been through some really bad shit, and that doesn't excuse any of what he's done. 
but you un- you look at his history and you understand kind of how he got to be so messed up. Doesn't it, again, it does not mitigate his very real flaws. It doesn't mean that he didn't make inexcusably bad decisions. It doesn't mean that he isn't choosing with every subsequent inexcusably bad decision to continue to be a terrible person. But Kylo Ren is a good example of how to do this. And another good example of how to do this is the governor. The governor was irredeemably awful and he did some inexcusably bad things. I mean, he sexually assaulted Maggie for fuck's sake. But at the same time, you got you got a very clear picture, especially in his, uh, his his episodes that he had all to himself in season four. You got a very clear sense that part of him was struggling against his own nature. He was a, it was a classic tragic figure in many respects in that he was undone by his own personal weaknesses. He was never going to save himself. He was never going to be able to redeem himself. There was just too much bad there. But you saw that he was sort of trying, that he didn't want to do what he was doing again, even though he really did. And that there was absolutely no way he was going to avoid it. That showdown at the prison was going to happen no matter what. And that was genuinely wrenching, at least for me. The governor is my is, is so far my favorite villain on the show. And... Yeah, so I was really hoping that they would do with Negan what they did with the governor and not necessarily make him any less horrible and not necessarily get rid of Lucille and not necessarily get rid of his posturing and his smugness entirely. But I was hoping that they would show you a little more sense of how maybe there was some conflict going on or there was some pain in his past that wasn't stupid, flat, cliched, oh, I have a dead wife, which is just the laziest bullshit that you can do. And they didn't do any of that. And and to my mind, that is why, although the scene where Maggie chooses not to kill him should have gone great. It should have been a fabulous scene. In many respects, it was a fabulous scene because the acting was, I mean, the acting was pitch perfect and the pacing was fantastic and it was just written really well. But where it fell flat, is for me at least, is that the foundation for it had not been laid. They, they had not earned my, my investment in that moment. They, I, I don't just give that shit away. You have to earn it. I'm not a hard sell, but you do have to earn it. The, the, so, so when Maggie drags him into the light and he says, you see how pathetic he is, and you know, he says, I just want to be with my wife, I was like, fuck you, fuck you. Just fuck, fuck you. I don't care. I don't care about your dead wife. I understand that the show, it's like the show is grabbing me by the hair and shoving my face in dead wife and going, feel something, God damn it, feel it. And I, all I feel is contempt. Now, in fairness, part of me wonders if maybe that was what I was supposed to be feeling because Maggie looks at him and that's what she feels. She feels horror and contempt. And I think that her decision to not kill him made sense because he was in that moment just so utterly pathetic and in so much pain. I, I do think he wanted to die. Um, I think that that was legit. But it, again, all of the elements were there. But because they had not made me invested in Negan as a human being, even on a really bad level, I, I, I don't know. I just kind of shrugged. Like, I didn't really give a shit about it. And I should also reiterate that I was not really in an emotional and mental state to give a shit about much of anything except, like I said, bed. But it was such a great scene on paper. It was done so well. It made so much sense. I'm not angry about it, although I wish he was still dead. But it just didn't work because they didn't earn it. 
and that's frustrating because episodes scenes scenes like last night and generally episodes like last night are just such good examples of what this show can be when it's really good and when it's really good it's very very good and that scene was great and i wished god it had worked for me and it just didn't that said i'm giving them tremendous credit for doing the best they could with it it they i do not think given that they were constrained by the foundation they had laid or the lack of the foundation they had had hadn't laid that scene really couldn't have worked any better than it did they did the best they could and it, that to that extent i guess it was satisfying and i liked i'll tell you i really liked the showdown with maggie and michonne because it was so real and raw and honest and when maggie's like if it was rick if, 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 you, if you had to watch Rick murdered in that way, you know you would be standing where I am and you would be doing what I'm doing. And Michonne kind of pushes back, but you look at her and you know that Maggie's right and Maggie's completely telling the truth there. And she, just like Daryl in the last episode, she was dropping some real truth bombs and Michonne knew it. And that was, that was good. Like, I'm glad. I don't want to call it weakness, but I'm gonna because I just can't think of a better word right now. It's not, I don't think. That's not the right word. But I'm glad that they showed that moment of, let's say, wavering. I'm glad they showed that moment of really honest wavering in Michonne, even though, you know, part of her really was committed to the decision that Rick had made. And I think part of that is that Michonne knew and agreed on some level that that wasn't really Rick's choice to make anyway that that wasn't coming out of ultimately a good or wise place, that it was well-intentioned, but that it was, as Daryl said, coming out of Rick just refusing to let Carl go and holding on to something that just wasn't realistic or sustainable. And I, I liked that. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I thought that was real good. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is, I have said this multiple times, one of the things that frustrates me so much about Negan, maybe more than anything else, is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is fabulous. He's such a good actor. And he's really perfect for this role. If this role was being written well, like he, I, he is who I would cast. I was initially very excited when I found out that they had cast him. And last night is why when you give him something to work with, he's so fucking good. And I was happy that we got to see that too. Like I was happy that we got to see some real range from Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that we got to really see that he can do, he can do something besides smug or enraged. He can, he can really, he can bring it when it comes to honest, raw emotion. And that was very, very, it was good. It was for what it was, it was really good. Okay, I don't, don't really have a whole lot more to say about that at this moment, at least. Oh, I will say... No, you know what? I'm going to save this for the end when I talk about how I feel about the fact that this is going to be continued in films. So let me, let me talk about Rick's goodbye scenes. I expected to love these, and I really did. They were incredibly well-written. They were really well-shot. The cinematography on this show is very hit or miss, but it was done really well last night. Uh, I was... I was happy with all the beats that it hit. I really enjoyed all of the different parts of his past that they brought back. I loved how they focused on not just the hospital where everything began, which really sets up how he gets taken away in the chopper, obviously. And I, I but I also loved how it focused on things like the farm. Really, the two primary locations that it focused on was the hospital slash Atlanta and the farm. And I think a lot of that was just because that scene with Herschel was so crucial. 
And by the way, I cannot tell you how much I love that we did get that scene before Scott died. That was just such an important scene. In particular because although I think Herschel's death scene was very good and really well done and very satisfying in a horrible way, we never really got a goodbye with Herschel and none of the characters did. And last night really was kind of a, it was a goodbye to Herschel on the part of Rick, but it was also, I feel like we kind of got to say goodbye to Scott in a very, very satisfying way. And it was a beautiful scene and it was so well acted and it was gorgeously shot and it was just fantastic. And I loved every, every single fucking thing about it. I loved Shane. I loved that Shane showed up. My, I, I have not made a secret of the fact that I think Shane is a fucking scumbag and I don't ooh him either. He sexually assaulted Laurie and we kind of just never talked about that, but he did. And he was creepy and possessive about her after that. And he's just generally terrible gender wise. But I also like, like him kind of just as a character. I, I hate him as a person, but I love him as a character. He's really interesting uh, when he's done well. And there are some parts where he's not, but, and, and, and his, his showdown with Rick and his death is I think another one of the very best deaths on the entire show. And a lot of that is John Bernthal and, and Andy Lincoln, but also it's just really well done. But I was a little reticent about him showing up because I was hoping that they wouldn't have him show up like Herschel showed up and be all happy and smiley and reconciley and like, you know, we're, it's, 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 it's okay now. I forgive you for what you did and let's hug and be bros again. I didn't fucking want that because how they parted ways was so terrible. I mean, Shane was leading him out there to murder him. And you don't just pretend that shit didn't happen. And nothing really makes that okay. And what I loved is that they didn't do that. And they brought back asshole Shane. They brought back the Shane that we first met in the car with a little bit more of the edge to him that we saw in season two, which is that he's a bad person. He's just a really bad person. And you got to see that again. And, and you got to see that Rick accepted that. That Rick really had no illusions about who, Sh- who Shane was. The, that, that he still loves him very much, but that also Rick understands that by the end, Shane was a really bad person and that that bad person had always really been there. It just hadn't been, it hadn't been brought out by Shane's circumstances. But that that person was, that, Shane was always that person to a greater or lesser extent. And I love that Shane kind of ribbed him real hard about Judith and the fact that he's raising another man's baby. And Rick was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, that is what, that is what is going on. And I have known that for a long time. And, and I appreciate the absurdity of that even like it was, it was a moment of real honest connection without any false reconciliation. And that was very good. I am very, very happy that they did it that way. And what Shane said about how he needed Rick to bring that viciousness back if he was going to be able to do what he needed to do, that he needed to be ruthless again. I think, I'm not sure what I think about that because we, I mean, we didn't, we saw ruthless Rick in the sense that he just made a hard decision that was, that he knew was going to hurt people. And he made it anyway because he knew that it was really the only good decision he could make. But we didn't, I mean, we didn't get to see Red Machete Rick come back. We didn't get to see the Rick that ripped a guy's throat out come back. But I love that Shane 
Shane reminded him that there was strength in those moments when he was that Rick, even though it was also very terrible and not really the Rick that he wants to be. That, that he reminded Rick, you had to be that in those situations. You did what was required of you. They were horrible situations and you had to become a horrible person. And there, and you need to you need to grasp for and claim that strength again. I loved that, and I also loved the implication. I think that that part of Rick, first of all, that that the question of whether or not that that version of Rick had always been there is a really interesting one that I like to come back to, and it kind of draws a parallel with Shane there. I think because the you could argue very convincingly that the horrible person that Shane became had always been part of Shane, and you couldn't take that and line that right up with Rick and say that the red machete Rick, murder coat Rick, <laughs> has also always been a part of Rick, even though he was this very mild-mannered kind of kind of quiet family man until the world ended. I really like that implication, or at least what I read is that implication. Uh, and finally, I, I, like I said on Tumblr, this show fucking sucks at jump scares. They're so cheap and predictable. That was a good jump scare. The end of that scene was a genuinely good jump scare. Like, I did go, ah. And, I mean, it wasn't scary, but it did make me jump. Very well done. And and and, and it was creepy. Like, it didn't rape me, but it was genuinely creepy. So, excellent applause for that. Very, very good. Uh, moving on to the field of dead. I That was possibly my favorite part, except maybe the scene at the farm. The uh, door that had the don't crossed out and was and said open dead outside was fucking chilling like that was just a great visual it was perfect and then the transition from the hallway to just this endless field of corpses that's a great image and it was so well done and the spin on it that Sasha's presence and the the speech that she delivered what what it put on that that spin was great because you see a field of corpses and your reaction, gut level reaction, is going to be horror. I mean, of course it is. And that's Rick's gut level reaction too. And it's just, it's hideous. And here are all the people he loves and they're all just dead. And that's, that's awful. But at the same time, like, if you look at the faces of the bodies, they're very peaceful. Like, it's a, it, is, it is in many respects kind of a peaceful scene. It's a quiet scene. There's no dead shambling around. People are bloody, but... They, they, they don't look as, as if they've died by horrible violence. They're just dead. And then Sasha stands up and says, it, you know, it's okay. Like, yes, many, many people have died along the way, including me. It's, that has happened. But there's a bigger story here. And I love that because, it, again, if you have been following me for any significant length of time, you know that the speech that Sasha delivered is what I have been arguing for this whole time. Something I ask over and over again is, and I ask this very often in respect, in, in relation to whether or not Beth is alive, something I ask over and over again is, what kind of story is this? And I believe that Gimple is making a very explicit case for a very specific kind of story. He's done that before. He's done that with Herschel's speech about risking your life. He's done that with uh, pretty much all of Morgan's bottle episode where we discover how he learned how to be a Jedi Master. He 
did that with Glenn's Up With People speech. He did that with Maggie's speech at the end of season seven. He's done that with any number of things. He And he did that last night with Sasha in a really clear way. And whatever else you think about Scott Gimple and I myself have my problems with him, that's a good story. Like he wants to tell a good story, which is a story about brutality and violence and just relentless horror. And people say goodbye to people they love and people don't get enough time with people they care about and people go in ways that are really incredibly unfair that seems senseless to people at the time. But that all of it is in service to some greater story, that there is something bigger going on, that those people are dead, but what they have done and what they have given to the people they care about is, is not over, that the story's never really over. And that was a moment where really I could have gone either way regarding whether or not Rick would survive. Everything else was pointing to Rick living, but that scene could have been pointing to Rick accepting his own death and, and, and inviting the audience to accept it too, in the sense of, yes, this character is going to die, but there's a bigger story here, that this has never just been Rick's story. You might find that compelling or you might not. But the point is, I think that the argument was being made and it was a really beautiful argument and it was delivered perfectly. That scene actually probably made me more emotional than any other scene. Because like I said, it was arguing for what kind of story this is. It, and, and it was beautifully written, like I said. And it was just, yeah, it, it was just, it was just really good. I think that it was interesting that it was Sasha. I still don't know what to make of that. And I, I really want to say very clearly that it's not that I don't think Sasha should have done it. It's not like I was, ah, oh, not Sasha. I love Sasha. I love Sneak with Martin Green. She nailed that speech. She has this wonderful kind of glow when she smiles. It's she just it's it's very much like Michonne. It's very much it's very much like that kind of just your whole face just just lights up and it almost becomes a different face and there's just joy and warmth everywhere and she can do that and I don't know maybe that's one of the reasons why they had her do it but that worked so well with that scene and I was so happy to see her again but I still really wonder why it was Sasha like if you asked me to say if you if you laid out the scene for me but you didn't tell me who which character was going to deliver that speech what I would have said is oh that's got to be Glenn of course that's Glenn. That has to be Glenn, because partly because we never really got a goodbye to Glenn, but also because that is exactly the kind of speech that Glenn would deliver. That's exactly what I would think that Glenn, if he had a chance to say something to Rick, if he had a chance to say one last thing to Rick, and this was Rick's hallucination. I do not think these are real ghosts. Let me, let me be very specific about that. But I would have thought that that would be Glenn's sentiment. That would be Glenn's final message to Rick and his final message to the audience. And that's not what happened. And I'm just really not sure what to make of that. It may not mean anything. And it's, it's, not, it's, not that it, it's not that it bothers me or that I think there's anything really deep about it, but I just, I would love to ask them why they picked Sasha for that. It was just kind of strange. Yeah. All right, uh, let me... Uh, let me just check my notes here. I, I have a friend coming over to uh, deal with election day with me tomorrow, so I need to get the house ready. So I'm trying to get through this in good time so I can fucking vacuum and mop. 
Okay, I already talked about how it was very clear by the end there that Rick was not going to die. So the I, I think that I was already thinking about this in reference to the rushing river and the bridge, but I mentioned either in the last episode of the pod or on Tumblr that the whole hero falls over cliff into roaring river and is washed away and oh no there's no way he survives that and then we cut to the bank and the hero is on the bank and he's crawling up the sand or somebody's dragging him up on the sand and and you see their their face bending over him and then he wakes up in a bed or something that has happened a hundred million times in a hundred million stories the the thing that immediately comes to me and probably it just has to do with filth and beardiness the thing that immediately comes to me is aragorn in lord of the rings this has happened before and it's just so obvious by the end there that that's what they're working up to and it doesn't make me angry but it does make me roll my eyes and laugh a bit because, again, it is just so unbearably cliche. Of course it blew up. Because that means that they can't they can't see for sure if there's a body or not because it's all just bodies on fire and bits of bodies. So how are they ever going to confirm that there's a body? They're not. They're just going to sort of bury him like they do with other characters with no body. So there's that. They never recover a body, so they don't know. And... We can't tell immediately because, again, there's an explosion and everything's on fire. And there's a there's a roaring river beneath it. And, and it's just so, so done. And it's so obvious. And yeah, it, I'm glad that they did not try to make this a big shocker. I think anybody who was really shocked by the fact... Anybody who in the last couple of minutes of the episode was shocked by the fact that he survived has never seen a TV show or was not paying attention because it was just so fucking clear. And I, I was... The, the second it exploded, I was like, if I don't see a body, he's not dead. And then you see him on the bank. And it's like, yep, that was exactly where that was going the whole time. It works. You know, you can't argue with it. It works. Uh, it, it leads up to... The, I, I love that they had the helicopter take him away because, again, that cycles back to the very beginning of the show in a way that I think is super effective. But it was very much paint-by-numbers. What are you going to do? It's a stupid zombie show. Uh, the, the scene... The scene where Michonne is just completely losing her shit. I mean, where they're all losing their shit. That's That was so well done. Bear's music is always heart-wrenchingly great, but how he was kind of weaving in the main theme with the piece he already had going was just fantastically well done. And the whole thing was, it was beautifully shot. It was beautifully acted for what it was. It was fantastic. And like I said, you know, I could have beat by beat. I could have basically written this episode for you. Daryl watching it happen. And they're just like, turning around just noping off into the woods forever that is exactly what i thought was going to happen that he wasn't going to speak to anybody i thought that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to see anyone after that that was going to be a situation where he watches rick die he thinks and then just turns around and leaves forever just walks away and i like that they did that because that is what daryl would do daryl would not go and say goodbye to people and be like i am i can't i can't take this anymore i'm leaving goodbye daryl would not do that Daryl would just be like, fuck this, and just, yeah, like I said, cannot cope off to Mordor. <laughs> That's exactly what he did, and it was perfect, and I hate it, you know, but it was perfect for what it was, and I guess I'm looking forward to seeing what he's been doing for five years to the extent that we'll see that at all. 
the song that they used to uh, when Rick's being carried off in the helicopter, that's perfect. Because you remember that that is the song that they end the first episode on. And in the first episode, Rick sees the helicopter also. But that that is, that kind of, that song kind of is where you first are introduced to how different this world is. Because, yeah, you kind of get a sense of it before, but when Rick enters Atlanta, that's your first kind of big, holy shit, everything's fucked moment. And it's so, it's so kind of quirky. Like, it doesn't fit what you're seeing, but it does, if that makes any sense. It's, there's a real kind of a wink. There's kind of a, a real sense of humor in that. And I appreciate very much that they brought that song back. Also, it's just a good song. The Time Jump. Fuck, guys, I still don't know how I feel about the time jump. I guess we'll have to see in the next few episodes how they handle it. But I, I, what I will say is that I, I think it kind of fits with everything else last night in that if one must, that probably was the best one could do. If you have to do something like that, if there's no way to talk you out of it, then I guess that was probably the best way to go about it. I'm glad that they didn't, like, do it at the beginning of the next episode. I think that it worked better to do it at the very end of this one. Uh, I can't really explain why. I just think the beats of that, the pacing of that just works better. In terms of whether the time jump does, though, I don't know. There is just something about it that, on a deep gut level, does not work well for me. I, something else I did say in the last episode is that if Rick is not dead then it is much less egregious to skip over five years uh, because it implies that that was not goodbye to Rick, that we will get some sense of what happened in that intervening five years. And also I think, and I'll talk about this more when I, I'll talk about this more in a minute. I don't think that Rick, that's the last the show's seen of Rick. And I don't think that's the last team family's seen of Rick. I think they're going to hook back up again at some point. It's, it's a lot better if you know especially if it's not just open-ended. If you know very clearly Rick's not dead and we're going to see more from Rick, skipping ahead five years isn't as offensive. But it just, it bugs me. I don't know. It just really bugs me. And we'll just have to see. It's jarring. There's no way for it not to be. Uh, yeah, I can see why they're doing it. It's I, honestly, you know, in some respects, although it's a bigger time jump and I think parts of it may bug me, I think that it's a better time jump than the one at the beginning of the season. And a lot of that has to do again with world building and with how they handled everything that happened after the time jump. I think that this is likely to work better depending on how they handle it. I, I basically, I look at a time jump like this and I look at how they did it and I, I don't go, this is an unsolvable problem, which I did for the first one and I still feel that way. Yeah, it's so much is gonna depend on the next few episodes and what they do with it. But it was, yeah. And I don't, I understand that they have to introduce Magda and her team because that's just how this show fucking rolls because it's too close to the comics in so many ways. Although the helicopter's a huge departure. Holy shit, that was a big step sideways and I like it, that's why. But also I'm just like, do we need more characters? Can we just focus on the ones we got? Please, 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 please. Why do we need more people? But we got them. There's no way out of it now. And now we're going to have the whispers. And I just hope that they don't do like another. It's another horror with another group. Because we haven't done that a hundred million times. 
Oh, and also how they're trying to pass off. It's kind of, it's kind of dumb how they're doing this. I have ranted about this too before. This, for, for people, for a group that is so spoiler shy, that is so intent on having there be no spoilers and on making everything surprising, that is so fucking stupid because if we do not want to know basically what's going to happen, all we have to do is look at the source material. Anyone who knows anything about the comics is looking at the whole, oh no, the walkers are talking, and oh no, the walkers have evolved thing, and they're going, yeah, that's the whispers. We all know that's the whispers. The walkers have not evolved. The walkers are not talking. Those are people in walker suits. We all know. It's not surprising. It's not shocking. It's not unexpected. We all knew it was coming. The only question was when or how. And, and we already, like, all of the news outlets are reporting on this. When Samantha Morton got cast as Alpha, everybody was talking about the whispers, and everybody knows. And it's just like, come on, just fucking, if you want us to be really surprised, how about you stop doing the comics? How about, how about you go away from the comics and really introduce some new stuff that we don't see coming? That would be super great. The few times you have done that, it has been wonderful. Uh, yeah. Uh, J- Judith, all right. I, part of it, again, I think, is that I was just so so situationally jaded last night. And I was just like, like how I was with Rick's, with Rick's quote-unquote death, where I was just like, this is dumb. This is so predictable. This, this is, we, anybody who's paying attention should see this coming a mile away. I can't be super emotional about this because it's just so, so done. Judith, I'm sorry, guys. Judith is just such fan service. Like, it's silly. I, I understand if you love it. I don't hate it. But it's silly. And this is a stupid zombie show. And it can be silly, and that's fine. I, I appreciate a lot of the time how silly this show can get. But it is profoundly silly. And it's just kind of, yeah. All right, I guess you're doing that now. I, I like her. I'm glad that we're seeing her grown up. I, I, I actually have been tiring a little bit of baby slash toddler Judith, but she's got the sword and she's got the gun and she's got the hat and it's just like, really, show? Okay. You know what? You're not that highbrow, so sure. Why not? All right, the movies and, and the spinoffs and stuff. I, under normal circumstances, I would look at that and I would go, that's just a blatant cash grab. And it is. The way AMC is milking this franchise, they're, they're, just, they're just grabbing it and they're wringing every cent of it out of it that they can. I'm making a ringing gesture with my hands on this very visual medium. There, it, and, and it's kind of, it's another thing that's kind of eye roll worthy. And we already know that they're going to be doing... I mean, they've already done Fear the Walking Dead, and they have the computer game, although that's not AMC. And they're going to be doing more stuff, and it's just really obvious what is going on here. But it's also... I Why I am prepared to not roll my eyes too much at the movies is that it's pretty clear to me that that much is AMC accommodating Andrew Lincoln. They want to hang on to him because he's a big draw, because Rick is important. The audience is invested in Rick. One of the things I said earlier, too, is that it makes very little financial sense to kill Rick off decisively. It makes a lot more sense to leave things open-ended at the very least, because then the audience will still be invested in his story if they don't think his story is really over, and that means they will probably keep coming back, or at least some of them will probably keep coming back to the show. Like, I don't expect the ratings to take a huge hit because of this. I thought they were going to just nosedive, and I think they will drop some. But I don't think they're going to take a massive hit, because they didn't kill Rick. So people still have a reason, people who love Rick still have a reason to be invested in the story. 
and not just because of the movies, which I will again talk about in a minute. So it's it's it makes all the financial sense in the world not to kill Rick off forever and ever. But also, like, Andy wants to go home and be with his family and watch his kids grow up. And he has pretty much never made a secret of that. And I can see him really sitting down with AMC and laying down the law and going, look, I want to go home. Can we work out a thing where I can go home, but I still work with you in some respect? And we still have an opening for Rick to return in other ways. And this is a way of accommodating him, but we don't lose Rick. And that I think works out quite well for everybody involved. I think that this is a situation in which pretty much everybody wins, including the fans. I, I am satisfied with this. I, I, was al- I was always very supportive of Andy going home and being with his family because that's important and that should be, the, that should be his priority. And it's totally fair for that to be his priority. But this means that we get more Rick. So in that respect, it, it's everybody wins. There's no real downside to this. The only downside is that we don't get to see Rick on the TV show, at least for a while. And you know what? I can live with that. That's okay. It's, he's not gone forever. And here is the other thing. I really think... I mean, let me pause and, and, and go back to Fear the Walking Dead for a moment. I don't watch Fear the Walking Dead because I kind of just don't fucking care. And also it seems like I'm kind of maybe better off not watching it because maybe it's a little bit more of an abusive relationship even than watching this show. And I don't, why do I need more of that in my life? But the fact that Morgan has moved back and forth, that Morgan has moved in and out of the story, that there's been a lot of interweaving, that is a giant signal that this is something that the, the movies didn't come out of nowhere. That this being a giant franchise where there's this whole big universe which we see different parts of, like the TV shows, like the comics, like the like the video games, that all of that being part of a whole and that there be some being some moving back and forth of different characters through different elements of the medium, through different mediums and different parts of the franchise, that's been going on for a really long time. That is not new. Glenn, if I recall correctly, shows up in one of the seasons of The Walking Dead game. And it's great and, and makes me happy when he shows up. Uh, but he, and, and there, I like how there's a, there's a little bit of, it's not that this is all taking place in the same universe, it's that this is taking place in multiple versions of the same universe, because the comics are not the TV show and the computer games are really their own thing as well. The Glenn that shows up in the computer games is not necessarily the TV show Glenn, I think it's actually kind of more the comics Glenn, but it's also kind of just the computer game Glenn, the video game Glenn. So this is, as somebody who's interested in how different layers of stories work and how different components of narratives all weave together out of disparate elements. This is actually quite interesting to me. On the one hand, I'm rolling my eyes a lot because like I said, just blatant cash grab. On the other hand, there is a lot of moving in and out of different characters. Like Glenn dips into the computer games a bit and Glenn exists in the comics and in the TV show and Morgan exists just in the TV shows, but he jumps back and forth between two TV shows. And personally, I think he's gonna go back to the original TV show. And then we have the uh, Red Machete web series. And I think we've had another web series or two. And we also have novels that have to do more with the comics, if I remember correctly, because we have the governor's backstory. But there are so many different things going on here. It's a little bit bit like the Star Wars Expanded Universe, except all of that is a single inclusive universe, not different versions of the same universe existing in rough association with each other. there's, there's, There's something going on here that's really interesting to me. 
and it's one of the reasons why the fact that the fact that this this movement back and forth is back and forth that it isn't moving in just one direction i think that what's going to happen is we're going to get rick just with the movies for a little bit and he's not going to be on the show for a while but i really think he's going to go back like everybody is like oh it's so unfair he's never going to see his family again no i think he is it's it sucks that he's not going to see his family again for years but I think that there is absolutely no reason to suppose that he's not going to end up returning. And I think we have every reason to suppose that he will. It might be only for the final season of the main show, but he's going to see his family again. Like, I really would not worry too much about that, guys. I think you can kind of relax. He's going to see Michonne again. He's going to see his kid, his kid again. It's, it's going to be okay. It just sucks in the meantime because we have to wait and we're probably going to have to wait a while. And his family has to wait and they don't know that he's alive and that sucks that sucks too but yeah he's he's gonna come back don't sweat it he will be irritated about the time if you want but don't worry about him never seeing them again because he's gonna and just if it helps you to to kind of deal with it in the time in the time being think about the reunion he'll have with them when they see that he's not dead like just think about this pure shock and joy that we're gonna see when he sees them again as i really believe that he will that's gonna be so great like we have that to look forward to. It's going to be a fantastic moment that we can all we can all have as kind of our treat at the end of this long dry spell, and that's going to be good. So let me talk about Team Defiance because I have wow yeah. So I'm going to jump back in a second to the different elements of this franchise because I think that that's pretty key. Uh, but I, I want to preface this by saying that, again, if you follow me, if you know me, you know that I have, I, I've been shaken a bit, that I've sort of been more on the fence about Beth returning than I used to be. Uh, over the last year or so, I've kind of been a little more like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think maybe it's not going to happen. But I, it's been, it hasn't been like a despairing, like, this isn't going to happen and I give up. And I also have really... Except for maybe a little bit at the beginning, I've never been like, Beth is alive and she's going to return and it's imminent and I'm so confident in the way in which this is going to happen and I'm talking about this as if it's for sure. I've never, ugh. I won't say I've never done that, but I've really tried to not do that. My, uh, my attitude toward this has mostly just been, well, she can't get any more gone and everything in the story indicates to me that she is coming back at some point so let's just chill and we'll see her when we see her if we see her and uh, we may not but i think that the odds are decent that we will and part of why i have felt like that is that i have not seen anything on the show or behind the scenes to indicate to me that this cannot happen that this logistically isn't possible it is a hundred percent possible there is there is there is nothing on paper that says it can't happen and all the people who say that there is are just fucking wrong like it's not my opinion they are objectively wrong i can lay out all the reasons why but if you've if you've ever fucking seen a tv show you know that there's no reason they can't bring her back they completely fucking can so because of that i've never really gotten off the team i've i've always been like shit it could happen and i have a lot of reasons to think that it will and what we found out last night about how the story works and about what AMC plans to do with the franchise made me a lot more confident. Not because it introduced new things, but because it solidified a lot of things that I had been suspecting about how this was gonna work. Like, let me, 
Something something that I ha- I talked about uh, I think last week, and I've talked about this before, is that this show for a long time now, really almost since its beginning, has done things where it spins out plot threads and it doesn't do anything with them. And they just kind of lie for a while, maybe seasons, maybe really long, like a long time. Like Morales showed up seasons and seasons and seasons after we saw him for the last time. And he wasn't there for long, but we did get closure on his story. and, And we got that like eight years after we saw him. So if that can happen, fucking anything can happen. But this show does this. This show kind of rolls out storylines or rolls out plot threads and then just leaves them hanging and doesn't really explain why and doesn't really immediately do anything with them. Doesn't knit them back into the plot in a way that's super clear or decisive or immediate. And it's easy to forget about them in that, at that point. But it, this show is not in a hurry. This show is not on your timeline. And that has been frustrating to me. And it's, I I think that it is a weakness that you would not notice so much if this was something you could binge on Netflix. But because it's a show that's being broadcast week to week, the fact that this show is not in a hurry and it is not on your timeline, that that actually, it, it, it breaks it up and it makes it hard to kind of maintain the flow of what's happening on screen in a way that doesn't start to lose people. This, this really, this is a Netflix show. This is a Netflix show on cable TV, and that is, that is a, another unsolvable problem. When I, I came to The Walking Dead in, really in season four, and that meant, that meant I got to binge the first three seasons on Netflix, and it worked super well. Like, I don't think that I noticed a lot of the weaknesses that other people did. I like I think it's maybe one of the reasons why I've never really hated season two, because I didn't have to watch it week to week. I got to see the whole thing all pretty much all at once. And yeah, and, and it worked. It worked pretty good. Season two is a season that I like very much. But yeah, because this show is not in a hurry and it is not working according to your preferred timeline, that means that it will spin out plot threads leave them dangling for a really long time and then pick them up again and maybe pick them up again in a different medium. And it, I, it, it has a long history of doing that. It did that with Morgan. It did that with Merle. It's, it's done that with other characters. And sometimes it picks them up relatively quickly again, like a, a season or a season or, or half a season later. And sometimes you wait eight seasons to see a character again. So when, when something happens like Heath disappears... We're gonna, guys. I, there is, there is almost no doubt in my mind that we're gonna see Heath again. They would not leave that hanging if we, di- they didn't intend to do something with Heath. He's gonna come back, and I don't know when or how, and it may not be on the main show proper. But we're gonna see Heath again, and we're gonna see Sherry and Dwight again, and that's why when they do something like leave Grady intact and leave Beth's death mysterious in some respects, or at least leave the aftermath mysterious, that to me is telegraphing almost as clearly as Rick's survival last night that this is existing out there because they do intend to do something else with it. And people say, in this fandom say, because they haven't done anything with it quickly that that means they're not going to. No, we should really know better than that by now. 
just because they haven't done anything with it in a year or two years or three years or four or five or six or seven doesn't mean that they're not gonna do something with it at any point in the future. They're gonna, we're gonna find out what happened to these people. Rick is gone for now, but we know he's gonna get movies and we're gonna find out what, what's going on with him. And I think that the same thing is true with a number of other characters who we don't know what the fuck's going on with them. They're out there, there's a big question mark over them because the show means to, the really Gimple, because now he's kind of controlling the whole franchise. Stuff that Gimple intends to do. He really does, like I'm really promising you guys. It may take a long time, but we're gonna see these people again. And the fact that that got confirmed in a super clear way last night, although we've already kind of known that, because again, we had Morgan and Fear the Walking Dead and Red Machete, which I think we're gonna find out a little more about, maybe at some point, maybe not, but I think it's less important than other TD people think. They may have nothing to do with Beth, probably has nothing to do with Beth. But the, the, point, the point is there it was the Red Machete, the, the character that ended up there and kind of got woven back into the main storyline was the Machete. That was the whole point of that, se- of, of that series. So there, none of this stuff, really none of it, not a single part of this franchise exists in pure isolation from every other part. It, every single element is connected in some respect to every other element. And when we see something dangling, that you can be pretty certain that we're gonna see it again, that it's not just out there for nothing. And that really confirmed to me what I already felt, which is that Grady is still standing for a reason, that we have not seen the last of it, and that there are any number of ways in which we might see Beth again, that it doesn't even have to be on the main show, that there might be there might be a web series and that, that, that deals with her in isolation and sets her up to be incorporated back into the main narrative. It's possible that she'll show up in Rick's movies. Like, I don't think necessarily that she will, but come at me with a reason why she can't. They haven't even started filming yet. Seriously, tell me why she can't. There's no reason why she can't. There's no reason why she will, but there's no reason why she can't. And that's that's true with anything. They could do a web series with her. They could have her show up on Fear of the Walking Dead. They probably won't, but they could do that. There's really no reason why they can't do that. They could start another show spinoff. I don't think they will, but they could do that and have her show up on there. She's not, she's not gonna get like a show to herself, guys. Come on, like she's not that important. But there are any number of different ways in which she could pop up again. She's not confined to the main show. And because she's not confined to showing back up on the main show, that means our focus doesn't necessarily have to just be there. And if there's quote unquote, no room for her on the show, which has been, I think the case up until now, there's just, there's been no place in the plot to slide her back in. Despite the fact that the fact that they keep inducing, introducing new characters, cause that's just what they fucking do. There are so many different ways in which we could see her again. So many. And that they, yeah, guys, like at this point, I'm way more certain than I was. I'm still not 100%. It still wouldn't surprise me if we never saw her again, but I am almost expecting it. Again, I don't wanna say expecting because if I expect something, that means I will be surprised if it doesn't happen. But I, I think the odds are super good that we're gonna see her again. And I am comfortable in that supposition. I am very comfortable there in that place. So yeah, I actually feel really good about it at this point. A lot of people are making much of how she showed up last night. I think that that we heard her voice, I think that may or may not mean anything. We also heard Lori's voice, apparently, and, and, and Abraham's voice, I think. And like that, 
those people are dead. So just that we heard her voice doesn't necessarily mean anything other than the fact that we heard her voice. Uh, some people are like, oh, there was blood on her arm. There wasn't blood on her arm when she died and there wasn't any blood on her hair and why wasn't there? And I don't think that fucking means anything, guys. A lot of people in that pile had blood on them that they didn't have blood on them before. She just had blood on her. They wanted blood on her. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, I really don't think. And no, we didn't see blood in her hair, but this part, the side of her head that got shot was down. Like, we really wouldn't have seen it anyway. And we didn't see her face close up because, I, I mean, I took a good look at the still and it was body double. It wasn't her. Emily Kinney was not filming. That was, yeah, it was a good double. From a distance, it looked pretty much like her, but it wasn't her. So the fact that she showed up again and she there were some parts of her that didn't look like when she died, I do not attach significance to that and I do not think that you should either. What I do attach some significance to is the fact that she is lying surrounded by people who are not dead. Now, I, I, there have been some parts, there have been some theories flying around that they, the team family left, knew she wasn't dead, but left her behind anyway at the hospital. I don't want to say for sure that that's not what happened, but I find it highly improbable that they would have abandoned her there and then not gone back for her when they thought it was safe. I just don't think there's any way. I don't think they would have just left her there. That said, apparently Rick has not tried to move heaven and earth to get back to his family for five years, so... And that kind of strikes me as odd, so who the fuck knows? The point is, I do not think that she sh we should take the fact that she was lying surrounded by alive people as Rick not including her among the dead. I think Rick thinks she's 100% dead. But I do think it's interesting that the writers placed her around, surrounded by people who are not dead. They placed her, although everybody in that scene was dead, they really did place her in the company of the living. And there's also the fact, and this is something that's been bugging me since we saw her portrait on that fucking wall at the hilltop. It's very weird to me that we saw and heard nothing about her in three seasons. Like nobody spoke her name. I don't think her existence has been directly referenced since like them. Has it been like the end of season five? That's like the last time we saw or heard anything about her. I do think that the walker that Daryl finds, that the, the wolves walker that Daryl finds tied to the tree, I, I absolutely think that that was meant to remind him of Beth. I think that that's, that was totally in his mind when he saw that. But other than that, we just, I don't know. We really, oh, and um, Sherry's sister, uh, I also think was was meant to be a complete Beth callback. She's blonde, she's smaller, she's dark-haired sister, she had bracelets, she died right in front of Daryl. Daryl couldn't do anything to stop it, blamed himself for it later. It was, that was, I think, a complete Beth callback, and I don't think it was subtle. But it wasn't the same thing as seeing her actual face, and it wasn't the same thing as someone saying her name, and it sure as hell was not the same thing as hearing her voice. So the fact that we went three seasons with nothing, and then... We're seeing her face on a picture, in a picture, and then we're seeing her face for real, even though it's body double, and we're seeing her lying in close proximity to living characters, and we're hearing Rick acknowledge her existence by name, and all of this is happening in in a, within a relatively short period of time. And it's not that I think she's imminently about to return, because I really don't. I would actually, one thing I would be surprised about is if we saw her in the main show this season. I, ju I just, I don't know. I just don't really think that's going to happen. Um, I think if she shows up, it will be elsewhere. But 
it's a little weird to me that suddenly she's back. Even if she's only back in very small ways, she's still suddenly back. And I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that that's super meaningful, but it's, it's weird, you guys. It's really weird. Like, we're all on the same page about that, right? It's a little weird. And there, there are, there's part of me that's so chill about this. Like, hey, she'll show up when she shows up. If she shows up, not a big deal. She can't get any more gone. A lot of stuff in the story indicates to me that she'll show back up. Eh, whatever. Let's just chill. Wait for it to happen. If it happens. But then there is part of me that just is just pulling its hair out and has been for years. Just because the weirdness won't fucking stop. Everything about it was weird when it happened, and everything about it has continued to be weird, and every subsequent thing that happens related to it even vaguely is weird. It's all just weird, and the weirdness won't quit, and it won't leave me alone, and I can't quit this team, and it drives me low-key nuts. Yeah, bottom line, I am feeling a lot more confident about this than I was on Saturday night. I really I really think we're going to see her again. And and, and like, like with Rick meeting back up with his family... I think that the best way to approach this is just to be chill and not expect too much, but to, you know, be feel relatively safe in the idea that she could show back up. And not to listen to people who say that she can't because they're just fucking wrong. Like, it's just, it's dumb how wrong they are. Like, they should be embarrassed by how wrong they are. Not like, you're wrong, she's definitely going to show up, but like, you are not thinking about this reasonably. And you apparently have never seen a TV show also in your life. Maybe you were the same people who were surprised by the fact that Rick survived. Whatever. It, yeah, it's it, whatever. We're probably going to see her again. Just, but in the meantime, just chill. Because who knows how long it will be if it happens. So, oh, one more thing before I go. Because, oh, uh, shit, it's like almost four. It is four. It's almost 4.15. Oh, shit. I have a lot to do still. And in fact, I may not get this posted tonight, although I do my very best. Because I yelled at you about voting. And I should get it posted tonight if at all possible. So... Maggie, that being Maggie's last episode, I don't watch The Talking Dead because Chris Hardwick is terrible and I can't even bear to look at his fucking face. But I did hear that there was confirmation that that was Maggie's last episode. That's pretty bullshit. I mean, I, I don't think that we should... That's another thing where I don't think there's any reason to assume that's her last episode. I think that uh, Angela Kang has said they want to try and bring her back for next season, that they don't think her story's done yet. And I don't think her story's done yet. And I don't think we've seen the last of her. I think we're probably going to see her again. It's just a question of when and how. But it does suck that that was kind of her exit for the time being. I assume that we'll get some explanation of where she is and what she did and why she decided to just wander away and also what happened to baby Herschel, whether or not she took him with her. I don't know why she wouldn't, but uh, she apparently didn't leave him with Daryl because Daryl's been, Daryl fucked off to a cabin in the woods for five years. So yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's bad, you know? It's not, it's, it is yet another thing where I think about how they wrote it and what they were working with and what their constraints were. And I think, you know, I, I, I think they did the best they could. I don't think they really could have done it much better. But at the same time, it's not great. And I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not, like, angry about it. But um, it's, just, it's just not great, you guys. It's not great. Okay, all in all, like, final judgments. I think it was a good episode. I don't think it was the best episode I've ever seen. But I think that for what it was, it was really well done. I think that everybody did a great job. Everybody did their acting good. Uh, everybody did what they had to do to make that work or at least 
come very, very close to working, as close as it could come. And as a farewell to Rick for the time being, I think it was pretty satisfying. There were things about it that I didn't love, but he did get kind of, you know what his goodbye scene reminded me of was Herschel's, honestly. Herschel didn't really get a goodbye with his family, but he did kind of meet their eyes and there was like this, you know, I know this is happening and I know I'm going and it's okay. And, you know, it sucks that it has to happen, but it's okay. And we got that with Rick and the rest of team family and they're wrecked and it sucks for them, but he was at peace in that moment. And I think that that was, that was another element that made it reasonably satisfying. And yeah, yeah, it's a good episode. Not really too many complaints, honestly. At least not that aren't dependent on previous problems that really, that's not that episode's fault, if that makes any sense. Okay, I must vacuum and mop, so I'm gonna go. Uh, We'll see how the next few episodes go. Michonne's wig looks awful. Uh, Carol's wig looks awful. This is not gonna be a good wig wig season, I think. But other than that, yeah, you know, I'm on board. So, thanks for listening. Uh, This was incredibly rambling, but I hope that you enjoyed hearing about some of it. And yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.